Cool. Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activity youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. There are numerous problems negatively influences community across the country. However, developing a strategy to address these concerns can be complex and overwhelming. One way to deal with one or more issues is through community advocacy. Essentially, community advocacy is when a person or organization brings to light civic issues to policymakers, politicians, and local citizens in an attempt to create change. Community advocacy requires collaboration of a wide range of people. In the Houston area, one such agency doing this type of work is the Collective Agency for Youth. Therefore, today's episode of the Making After School Cool podcast highlights community advocacy and features the work of the Collective Agency for Youth, an agency addressing services for dual status youth. Dual status youth, as defined by the National Association of Counties, are children who are involved in both the juvenile justice and child welfare system. Awareness and collaboration is crucial for addressing the outcomes of dual status youth. To speak on community advocacy, as well as the work of the Collective Action for Youth, is my guest, Tiffany Echevera. Tiffany is currently the Executive Director of the Collective Action for Youth. Her background includes implementation, evaluation, and continuous quality improvement for youth programming. She is an experienced facilitator who regularly brings people together to dialogue around race and diversity. In this role, she is eager to work shoulder to shoulder with youth to create better solutions for their communities. Tiffany, thanks for taking some time to be my guest on the Making After School Cool podcast. I've always enjoyed speaking with you on a variety of topics. And in fact, this is actually the second time you've been my guest on the podcast. But since then, a lot of things have changed, which we will discuss. So how are things going on your end? Things are going good, Michael. Thank you so much for having me back. So in August, I took a new job with a small nonprofit called Collective Action for Youth. And the mission and vision is all about creating communities where all youth can thrive. And we do that through several means that I know that we'll kind of dig into today, but things have been going good. And currently I'm trying to stay cool. It is so hot outside. (laughs) (laughs) That that it is, that it is. And congratulations. I think I I congratulated you when you put the email that you were shifting, Uh, but I also want to take this chance to personally congratulate you. Thank you. Since I've known you, you've had a passion for community empowerment. What would you say created your interest in working with community-based organizations aimed at empowering people? So it really started with me when I realized how people can organize themselves to create change in their community. And there is, of course, like the political means of, you know, passing legislation that improves things for communities that we care about. But there are so many other ways to move the needle. And once I started to realize how people can you know, link arm in arm to talk to a school board or talk to city council or, you know, just have a peaceful sit-in. There are so many different ways to bring change about. And it's interesting because it seems like we're sort of in this stage of change. And uh, I think more and more people are getting involved in community advocacy. In your own words, how would you define community advocacy? Yeah, I would define community advocacy as community members coming together to propose solutions and identify barriers in their community. 
And you mentioned earlier, you're currently the executive director for the Collective Action for Youth. What is the goal of this agency? Who's your target audience? And how do you provide services? Yes. Prior to becoming Collective Action for Youth this past August, it was actually an initiative named Harris County Youth Collective that was embedded in the county. And so how the work started, like so many other nonprofits, a group of concerned stakeholders came together and realized that youth that had involvement in the juvenile justice and child welfare systems had significantly worse outcomes than their peers in either system. So Harris County Youth Collective was formed to bring together all of these intersecting overlapping systems partners that were serving this population of youth. And so that was working with, you know, anywhere from the district attorney to the judges on the juvenile courts bench to, you know, uh, rediversion programs in the community. And so folks came together and started to realize, hey, this population really needs the coordinated care. And so from there, many successes were, you know, initially put up on the scoreboard and Harris County Youth Collective realized, okay, this is good, but the next phase of the work is really going to rely in the community. And so from there, establishing this beautiful community organizing aspect of the work. And so that helped push us along to forming our own 501c3. And um, we submitted our paperwork in August. And typically the process takes 180 days, but it took 214, I think. And so I was I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. <laughs> and so finally the papers came. And so what the work looks like now, we still work with system partners. So Department of Family Protective Services and Juvenile Probation to, you know, just put our heads together, regular meetings. But then there's also this community organizing piece. And so what that looks like is going door to door, canvassing, cutting turf and knocking on community members doors and saying, hey, what are the issues that matter to you? And then hosting monthly meetings where folks can come together, be collaborative, propose solutions, also have some fun and just, you know, general joy. And so that's where the two pillars of work primarily live. However, whenever you're working directly with the community, needs are presented to you. And so you really have to respond or find resources. So we have been doing some referrals to partners that have expertise and, you know, um, preparing for the workforce. So everything from attire to resume building. And we also have a mental health clinic because we realized that was a barrier for folks. Um, We do primarily try to seek out folks that have had some systems involvement. Um, We know how difficult it can be for them to find employment and how hopeless it can feel after involvement and just not knowing where to go next. And so that's still our core audience who we really love to partner with, but we have expanded our work to really work with the entire community. There are so many young people that are left out of the conversation of, hey, how would you improve your community if you were given the chance? And so really trying to create events, resources, workshops that cater to that younger demographic. What would you say is the importance for having a resource like yours for, of course, youth? You're working a lot with youth, uh, families, schools, and communities. I think it's so important that there is someone at the table that represents young people because they are just so often overlooked. While we might have the same issues as our, (laughs) what we affectionately call older adult allies, um, it can look dramatically different for a young person, especially if that young person had any type of systems involvement, if they aged out of care, if you know they just don't have family in Houston, you need to be able to access, you know, recovering your IDs, your birth certificate, your social security cards, that you can get employment. 
Um, if you're homeless and you're under the age of 18, it looks dramatically different than if you were, you know, 26, 27 experiencing homelessness. And so there just needs to be partners at the table that can really speak to what it's like to be a younger person trying to navigate these systems. And really, you know, our society, just like in after school, we always talk about adultism. Our society is based around this, we know best, let us tell you what to do. When in actuality, a lot of us had our wits about us when we were 23, 24, and 18, 19, you know, 16, 17. And so really working with young people to help them achieve the goals that they themselves have identified and working with them to create solutions for other young people who might be experiencing the same thing. It's just dramatically different than, you know, someone who's older involved into these systems. Yeah, and you know, you brought up the, the term adultism. I think sometimes we forget as adults that kids sometimes know how to figure out what it is that they need and they can verbalize that as opposed to us telling them what they need all the time. What would you say is the most challenging part uh, regarding your youth advocacy and what would you say would be the most rewarding? Mm, I feel like the most challenging part is still the like the controlling aspect of society for young people and just underestimating young people. That's probably the most frustrating part. Um, I've heard partners share before, you know, what, what will they know? They're, you know, they're still so young. They have limited perspectives on things and that's just not the case. Young people are an expert in their journey, first of all. They are you know, people who it seems very like mundane to just be like, oh, I'm just in my friend's group. But a lot of young people are listening and they're finding out all these themes with lots of young people's stories and kind of matching things up and doing research and investigation just through conversation. And so they really are experts and have a worldly perspective on things. And so it's super frustrating when encountering older adults and older adult allies that still have that, we know what's best mentality. That's super frustrating. Um, on the flip side, what's rewarding is seeing a young person, you know, take on a leadership role and either, you know, working with a system partner or even just uh, we had a fellowship where we were able to recruit five young people to help them uncover how they can be change ma makers in their community. And just seeing them blossom over the last five months has been extremely rewarding. Um, so it's, there's all these like sweet little kernels of the work of just seeing people blossom and realize, hey, I don't have to take a traditional route and I can still get to my destination. Uh, can you share with us uh, contact information on how people can learn more about your work as well as get information for any workshops or trainings that you might offer? Yes. So someone can go to our website, which is www.ca4y.org. And from there, you can kind of peruse. There's an events calendar so you can see when our next community working group. Um, we also have, we're active on uh, Instagram. So our handle is Collective Action for Youth. I would highly recommend to follow. And if, you know, folks wanted to get in touch with anyone on the team, you can email info at ca4y.org. I got on your website, looked up some other stuff. And, you know, it's weird because unless you get involved in things or people bring it to the forefront, you really don't think about kids that are in the CPS system and then those that are in the uh, juvenile system and how hard just getting started, just, you know, trying to get your, your foot planted and, and move forward can be so difficult. So I really appreciate the work that uh, you guys are doing. 
Thank you, Michael. Yes, I know. So I was able to know the former executive director and just listening to some of the struggles that they were encountering. So the residential treatment centers, which are basically group homes for young people, they are, they're might, they might be mandated to go to school, but you know, there's definitely so much space for collaboration, but these kids are really just kind of on the, the margins and need to be brought into the fold. And so yeah. I, I'm so grateful to be on the podcast and I hope that I can even join some more of the collaborative meetings so folks can just know that these centers are out there with kids that need intervention, they need mentorship, they need, you know, these really cool STEM programs and they're really just kind of left out. Yeah, and I looked at your staff. I mean, they look very passionate about the work that y'all doing. So it looks like you got a really good team with you. They are really the next wave of workers. And so I was talking to other folks who work with young people and, and I'm just kind of like pulling together themes of, hey, what's that like to support a young person? It's so cool seeing how the, the tides are turning. And like from when I entered the workforce to just even like eight years later, seeing people enter the workforce and where their mind is at with things, especially post COVID. Yeah. People are not fooling around. They want that <laughs> life balance and they want it now. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's funny because I, don't, I haven't seen you since. Uh, I guess pre-COVID, so it's been a while. It's amazing how fast things have changed. Do you have any final comments before we close? Trust young people. Let young people speak for themselves. Awesome, awesome. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being my guest on the Making After School Cool podcast. I appreciate it. I'm definitely stay in touch and follow some of the things that you guys are doing. In any way that I can help and promote some of the work you're doing, uh, just let me know. Thank you, Michael. Yes, and if there's anything I can ever do for you, just let me know. Cool. As always, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today, where our topic focused on community advocacy and the work of the, the Collective Agency for Youth. Please join us for future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.